If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to the second Psalms, or I, I don't know if we'll have it behind me here. Uh, the message of my sermon this morning, and before I go on, keep play, praying for Roger. He's doing better. Uh, I, I suspect he'll be back next week. He said he just had a lingering cough. And he had a really, really bad sore throat. I've known a few people that have had that with COVID, and it's just like it never goes away. But uh, last week we talked about uh, how we needed the truth, capital, the truth. And today I, I thought I'd continue with uh, the truth about the world, the world we live in. And uh, you have to understand when I say that, and even in scripture when it says that, it doesn't mean every single person in the world. What it means is this world system that's against God. And the psalmist starts out in Psalms 2, and he says some things. And some of this may be, um, I, I don't know, to some that say they're Christians, maybe some of this may be hard. I don't know. It isn't for me, but we're going to go through all of Psalms 2. starts out in verse 1. Why do the nations conspire, and why do the peoples plot in vain? Well, that's a question. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now let's stop there. First of all, this is talking about a world system where most of the leaders in the world, if not 99.9% of them, stand and they pretty much shake their fist at the creator of the universe. Now for us as Christians... If you studied the book of Revelation at all, you know that's what happens in the end. Did you know uh, the people on earth at uh, this time, it says in the book of Revelation, they will know they're going to war with God. But yet they take up arms and try to fight the living God, which to us we think how utterly ridiculous. Well, these verses are saying the same thing, that from creation past to creation future, you can see that the nations conspire and people plot in vain. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers together. They do it against the Lord. Now, they may not intentionally think that they're doing it, although I think some do, if not most do. But you have to understand there's a worldview out there that that directs people in a way that Satan just loves, a worldview that says, is he really God? Is he really creator? Does he really love us? Did, you know, is any of this stuff we read about or, or what Christians uh, believe in is true? It, it just puts all kinds of questions in our head. So my point, first point in here is uh, the world hates the one and only true God. Remember how I define that? And Christ, because it says at the very last, against the Lord and against his anointed one. Who is God the Father's anointed one? None other than Jesus Christ. Which reminded me of something I read years ago, and I'm going to maybe show my age. I um, also have a love for World War II history. Uh, when I was in Desert Storm, I ended up spending some time in Longstuhl Hospital in Germany. Uh, and when I got out, I took a train to 
another train. If you've ever been to Europe, it's, man, they love their trains. And you go from here to there, and, and I, I get to the train depot, and I forget no one there speaks my language. That's a pretty odd feeling. Uh, I, I'm stuck, and I, I can't read my ticket. I don't know what train I'm supposed to be on. I know I had to catch this, and, I, and I'm just, I'm a believer then, and I, I'm like, I, I remember this, dis- of course I remember it distinctly. I, I just kind of bowed my head and said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get on the train, and this lady walks over to me as soon as my head raises, and she goes, in English, looks like you're having some problems. I said, yeah, I have no idea, and she looks at my ticket, and she goes, I'm going there. So I had this, God God just works in unbelievable ways. He still, you know, I call that a miracle. I mean, I'm standing there, thousands of people, and he brings, and what's the, you know, it's not like I'm easily noticed in a crowd of a thousand people, because most of them are over me. So it's like she had to be, look, actually she was taller than me. So maybe she looked down, saw me, and said, oh, that poor guy, he's going to start crying, which I don't know if I was at that point, but I... I was seemed a little desperate, uh, and God just brought me home, and uh, that was a beautiful time because I, you know, sometimes you don't feel like you're going to get home. But after that, I told Brenda, I said, I really want to go to Europe again and see it and its beauty. And being a World War II buff, I went all over. I went to Normandy, I went to Dachau. Most of you are familiar with that a concentration camp. We went to several different places. We went to the Eagle's Nest, which is where Hitler, they built him this, this big thing in the hills. And, and we rode on the very, it, it was just a really neat trip. In that, uh, we visited some of the sites where one of my favorite, well, actually only one site, because he fought mostly in Italy and fought his way up through southern France. But... Uh, I've really always admired, of course, I admire all our World War II veterans. I admire all our Vietnam veterans. I admire all of our veterans, period. But uh, one in particular, his name was Audie Murphy. Any of you remember him? Some of the younger ones are not going to remember this guy. He was, uh, he was so small. He was five foot five, 113 pounds. Uh, he didn't have a mom. He was taking care of his kids, uh, or his brothers and sisters. And when World War II broke out, he wanted to go serve his country. So he went to join the Marines because he wanted to fight. He had the heart of a warrior. He was little. I get it. The Marines turned him down because he weighed too little, only 113 pounds. Finally, the Army took him. And uh, he fought in over eight major campaigns. He was the most decorated World War II hero. He won the Medal of Honor, the Distinguished Service Cross, two Silver Stars, the Legion of Merit, two Bronze Stars, and he had three Purple Hearts, and I could go on and on. He won the Medal of Honor for France, Belgium, gave him all kinds of medals because he was in some of those battles. I'm just letting you know what this guy was like, and if you want to know a little more about him, if you watch Westerns, he played in a lot of Westerns. He went from World War II, and he was a fairly good-looking little guy, and uh, it was, uh, oh, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy that called him. 
He played bad guys in movies a long time ago. James Cagney. James Cagney called him on the phone. And here we go. Most of you that are young have no idea who I'm talking about. Uh, James Cagney, little bitty actor, always played the tough guy in the movies. Well, he, he calls Audie Murphy and says, hey, come to Hollywood. I'm sure we'll put you to work. And they did. Most of the movies, when he was standing beside the leading ladies, they put him up on a box because he was so short. He did finally gain some weight after the war. But uh, he earned all these medals, and we went and visited his grave in Arlington. It's actually the most visited grave there. And for some reason, everyone puts money on his grave. I, I think I read they think it's good luck, but uh, I think I left some money just because there was some there. And it, it goes to Arlington Cemetery, so doesn't go to a bad place. But after Audie Murphy died in 1971 in a plane crash, after all he'd been through, and uh, his wife, I don't know about Audie. I know one of his quotes, he, I read a long time ago some of the things he wrote, and he said, he did say this at the end of every message he'd give. He'd say, but to God alone we kneel. Don't know where he was actually at in his Christian walk. I know he had a lot of PTSD. They called it uh, a lot of different names back then. But uh, it, it's awful. It's, war's awful. It said he, uh, they figured he killed over 300 Germans in the campaigns he was in. Uh, it's not easy to take a human life, even in that situation. But uh, I know in his book, to hell and back, and they made a movie where he starred in it. Uh, he said, I just, after they killed my friends, I hated them so bad. And you, you say, well, how could he be a Christian? You know, God works in all that. I'm not going to go through all that. But the interesting thing is when he died, his wife was a devout Christian. And she went to a church uh, for a while, and the pastor was Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Anybody heard of him? He's still on the radio. He's <laughs> about a year ago. I, I told somebody he's dead, and they're like, "Really? Yeah, he died a long time ago." But they still have his sermons on the radio, just like Adrian Rogers. Love him. He died. I think it was a year before I realized he'd passed on to be with the Lord. But Pam called Dr. J. Vernon McGee and said, "Hey, would you come officiate Audie's funeral?" And she wrote, and I quote. Dr. McGee, I want you to be forewarned that you'll be in enemy territory. Enemy territory. 1971 in Hollywood when they had the service. She said, you're going to be in enemy territory. And Dr. McGee says this. And I quote from a book I read by him. He says, and believe me, I was. The Hollywood crowd resisted the gospel. They didn't only resist it, they hated it. They did not want to hear it. He says, the world hates the truth about God and his word. You have to understand that that's the world we live in. That's why we need a good Christian view that understands there's a world system that's out there that hates God and his word and, as it says in John 15, 25, if the world hates you, keep in mind that he hated me first. That's Jesus' words. 
We need to have a worldview that knows this truth. And, you know, what I'm finding out is the world's doing a good job, this world system, of in the public form trying to keep our mouths shut. Now, obviously, we need to address the truths of God uh, uh, in the right way, in a charitable way. But we still need to be in the public form. We do a fairly good job in our churches today. It's easy for me to be here because I imagine if, if not all of you are Christians, most of you are, I, I have no idea. But for me to speak the truth of God, it's easy because I know most of you aren't going to get up and leave and most of you aren't going to hate me for it. You're not going to get up and shoot me or, or beat me up or stone me afterwards, which can you imagine the apostles? Did you, did you know every one of them were martyred except one? And they tried to kill John. They boiled him in oil and he didn't die. And then they stuck him on an island. And that's where we get the book of Revelation. God spoke to John then. The only one that didn't die. He actually died of old age. I don't know how old he was. I remember doing a funeral years ago. Same thing happened. Some folks came to me and they said, My mom just became a Christian. But she's really popular and everybody at the funeral will not be Christians. And they said, but we want you to preach a message, short, please, on the gospel. And I remember being somewhat nervous about it. I'm just as much scared of that at times as the rest of all of us, I suppose. But I remember praying, and I remember preaching. It was probably the largest crowd I think I've ever preached to. It was in this huge building up in the city. And as I started preaching the gospel, I saw the faces of people turn from grief and sorrow or whatever to anger, you know, teeth going like this. Probably 50 or 60 walked out the back door before I got done. I remember then, and there's been times in the past, not a lot of them, but I'm telling you, through the strength of the Holy Spirit, this little guy, you could have stuck a gun to my head and I would have kept preaching the gospel. Can't say it's always been like that. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I remember that. And you know, there were 12 people from Germany. This lady was from Germany. It was 12 people from Germany in a club she belonged to that came up to me and they accepted Christ that very day. They'd been through, some of them through the Holocaust, and they still didn't know the Lord. They believed in God, but they didn't believe in Jesus the Messiah. And, uh, gosh, it's worth it if just one will come to know Him. So when I talk about these truths, I want us to be really honest, you know, to understand that like when he went to preach this sermon, and I did, we got to realize most, most of the world does not like the truth that God has to say. As a matter of fact, did you know in John 7, Jesus is with his brothers, and they're, they're being really sarcastic here. Jesus is about to be crucified later on, but uh, Jesus went, it says here, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go into Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. 
already. In John 7, this is in John 7, already the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. He'd done, he'd done absolutely nothing wrong. If you guys read the Gospels, it's not hard to read them. Read them over and over and you'll get a feel for Jesus. This is God's love in the flesh, God incarnate. You can see how much he loves mankind. He cried for mankind. He raised mankind from the dead when needed to, for his purposes at times. But yet the people already hated him enough. They wanted to crucify him already. And it says later on in these verses, it says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. His own brothers in John 7, they were ridiculing him and said, well, if you're just trying to be a public figure, now I'm paraphrasing all this, but if you just want to be a hot shot, fancy pants guy that just wants to get attention, why don't you go in there? And he told them, I can't go in there yet because it's not my time. Because he knew they were wanting to kill him. And Scripture says his brothers didn't even believe him. Now, you, some of you know how hard that is, right? You're in families, and maybe some of you come out of a family where no one's a Christian but you. That's tough. That's tough. It's tough still in America. And let me tell you, I, when I was in Saudi Arabia, we, we, we snuck Bibles around to different people that wanted them, and the, the chaplain there did this. I just helped him. I didn't know actually how dangerous that was at the time. I knew we were sneaking around. But we brought this one Indonesian man to Christ, and before I left Saudi Arabia, he'd been put to death. So, you know, I mean, it, here it, it, it's still somewhat easy to claim to be a Christian, but friends, I don't think it's going to be that way much longer. I really don't. I think, and that's why I, I still have such a heart for kids. I wish I had the... The, the strength and energy to do that. But I have this thing they call essential tremors. It makes me shake and then I get weak. And, uh, but I still have a heart for children because I'm telling you, our children, if things keep going the way they are, they need to know the truth of God's Word. They need to have a Christian worldview so they can stand up against these rulers and these kings and this world system that says, I hate your God, I hate your Jesus, so, I hate you. So, here's the point. In verse 3, it says, and this is the people talking. The ones that hate God and hate Jesus. This is back in the Psalms, chapter 2, verse 3. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters, which again means chains, but... These, these chains that surround. Now what the leaders and what the world system and what people that don't know God and Christ are saying is all these things, you, these rules and these regulations, they're like chains upon us. We want to break free from them and do whatever we want to do. And let me tell you, that's where we're at in the world today, even here. We're at a place where everybody says, no, don't tell me this is a sin. Don't tell me this is wrong. I want to, I, yes, I want to love. Love is love no matter how you express it. You need to read your Bible and have a good worldview. Not everything the world's telling us today that they say is love is love. It's perversion. It's sin. It's sin in the eyes of God. 
That's what they want to break. You know, you can go back to Exodus and remember this. None of us can live up to even the Ten Commandments. We're not saved by the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments were given along with all of, all, all of God's other laws to give us kind of a structure not only of what God's like, but how we should live. And to the unbelieving world, it is changed. But as, as you were praying today, Michael, and as we talked about last week, the truth actually sets us free. Young people, let me say, and, and old too, most of you know this, but uh, obviously when I was growing up uh, as a young man, I, I, I sinned. I sinned in some really bad ways. Even when I got older, before I became a Christian, uh, I'm trying to be honest here and without being, I don't know what, silly, I guess, or whatever. But I remember in those sins, and I said this last week, it always took me to a dark place. And I'm not going to tell you it wasn't fun at first. Some of the things that uh, I did, I, I man, at first I was having a great time. And then things happened because I, I'm not sure if I was a believer yet, but I grew up in this very church, sitting, looking this way, right on the back row. And I remember some of them World War II veterans having to come up and say, Preston, be quiet. We'd have deacons stand in the back, right back here, and, and they'd grab me by my shoulders because I always had a little bit of a problem talking too much. And they'd go, Preston, be quiet. And I had one, as some of you know his name, and I can't remember it to, to my shame, and I loved the guy later on. But boy, I didn't like him then. Because he, 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 every time, it's like he seeked me out. It was like, oh, here comes a gray-headed man. He's going to tell me I'm doing something wrong. And, 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 I, and I was. But, see, these things that the world says enslaves us really sets us free. When God said to Moses, He said, You shall have no other God before me. He meant that. There should be nothing. Friends, that's the only thing in your relationship that you should place nothing ahead of. Not even your, your husband or your wife, not your kids. God should be number one. He should be your priority. The rest, see, it sets us free because when we make God our priority, friends, I can promise you, you treat your kids better, you love your wife more, you love your husband more, you love people more, you just do. You do the right thing. I've been down the alley where I didn't, and I've been down the alley where I did. He also says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven, above heaven, on earth, beneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God. I want you to hear this. I know this is Old Testament, but it's still true. I'm a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But listen to this promise. 
but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God wants to love you. He wants to love me. He doesn't want to hate anyone. And you have to understand, there's a, there's a theological depth we could go here. I'm just scratching the surface. surface. But when you outrightly rebel against God, Scripture says He hates you. He loves you at the same time, but He hates you. Those of us that have been rescued through the blood of Christ, He loves us. We don't have to worry about His wrath anymore. His wrath will not come upon us, as we're going to see later on in Psalm. He will discipline us, will He not? He does. Oh, yes, He does. Although He's, he's so... How many of you have figured out how patient God is in His discipline? He also goes on, he says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now, there's a lot of things about that. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. It's not just talking about cursing. It's talking about, I believe, even speaking in, in terms that don't justify our God. Don't, don't justify His attributes. I have a lot of time, so I won't go into that. He talks about the Sabbath, keeping it special. And uh, he says, you know, I created the earth in six days. I'm one of those simple-minded men, and I have. I've went to college. I've studied this in depth. I really, truly do believe that God created the whole world and the universe in six days. And, and now, get this. If, you don't, if you're not agreeing with me, that's okay. There's other theologians out there that I do believe are believers that don't believe that, but I do. I think the scriptures simply, just simply speak to that. And why couldn't he? He's, he's the only created thing out there. Do, do you put handcuffs on him and you don't think he can do that? I, I do. In six days, and then he said, I rested on the seventh. So here's another principle. Now I know we're meeting on Sunday, which is the first day of the week. The Sabbath's on Saturday, so why don't we still meet on Saturday? Well, I'll tell you why. The apostles, they started meeting on Sunday. The principle's there. Work six days a week. Give a day to the Lord. Not that we don't want to walk with the Lord every day, but give a day to the Lord. So we as a New Testament church, we started meeting on Saturday or on Sunday instead of Saturday. Now you can go up the road here. I don't know which way I am in this year, but you can go up the road to the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and they'll tell you no, you're supposed to still meet on Saturday. But that's not an essential. It's not one of those essentials that keep us out of heaven. He also goes in. This is an interesting one. You know what number five is? Honor your father and mother. Oh, we could go a long ways today. We need to honor our father and mothers. You know, I talk, my, my dad and my mom and my stepmom and my stepdads, which I wish that wasn't a thing, but it was for me. I still honored them. I honored them today. I, I'm sure I don't do a perfect job, but I see the way some kids treat their their, their parents and the names they call them, let me tell you something, they should never get by with that. And I can give you scripture after scripture that tells you that. 
Do not enable them and do not allow them to get by with that. Actually, right here, it says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. There's a promise there. He says, you honor your father and mother and I'm going to bless you, son, daughter. I'm going to bless you from that. Goes on in 6, he says, don't murder. Got to know the definition of that. If I didn't properly know that, I wouldn't have went to war in Desert Storm. Murder's murder. Killing something else. Audie Murphy killed 300 people and he could have been a Christian. I don't know whether he was or not. But all you have to do is to look at the worldview of the Nazis and see that it was evil. It didn't start out, they didn't start out that way. See, that's, that's what sin does and, and that's what the, the, this world system does. It tries to trick you into believing things like going back to parenting. It, it, we don't need to discipline our kids no more. I hear that all the time. Leave it up to them as long as we give them friends. And this is not a Christian worldview. That's what I'm going to say. If you lead people to themselves and put them in the right environment, they'll turn out good. That is not reality. I did not have to teach either one of my daughters how to lie. I didn't have to teach either one of them how to be selfish. It just came real natural. And you can ask my dad, it came really natural to me. You know, I'd go and spend the weekend with my mom, and my dad said every week they'd have to reprogram me. And I loved my mom, and my mom loved me, but she spoiled me. And I'm telling you what, it, my mom made me feel like I was the number one person in the whole universe. Now, she disciplined me, but that's something she did wrong. And I'm not trying to be mean to my mom. No disrespect. She's in heaven with our Lord now. But she'd agree with me. She shouldn't have made me think so highly of myself. Because my dad and Kay, my stepmom, would have to make me come back to earth. And realize the world didn't revolve around Preston. And I'm so thankful they did that. He goes on in these so-called Ten Commandments. Shouldn't murder. You shall not commit adultery. You know, I see all kinds of things going on in our world today. And, and they say, let us break free. Let us sexually, excuse me, I don't mean to be uncomfortable here, but we hear it every place, uh, just they, they say, don't, don't tell me I can't do this, don't tell me I can't do that, when it comes to that. And there's nothing quicker, and friends, if, if you've been involved in this, know that God, all these things, we're, we're going to break these commandments, and that, that's why we're saved by grace, not by abiding by these, but as we become Christians, I can give you scripture after scripture, even in the New Testament, that tells us we need to live, try to live these things, and, and we don't need to commit adultery. We don't need to commit these sexual sins that absolutely ruin lives. Ruin them. See, God wants to set you free from that. 
He's not trying to enslave you. The world system's trying to enslave you by telling you it's okay to express yourself in all these different ways that are called sin, and they want to call it anything but sin. He goes on and says some simple things. Do not steal. Do not lie. Here's an interesting one. Verse 10. I think we as Americans need to look at this one pretty hard. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. <laughs> That'll get you in trouble. But it, it, it's not or your neighbor's manservant or your neighbor's maidservant. He goes on he says, Don't even covet his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Not their car, not their whatever. Don't covet it. He goes on some more examples, and this one will get really personal, I suspect. Going to the New Testament, and these are some of the things that the people want to be broken free from. And in Romans, Paul says, he, sa he says, Therefore, talking about the world system and unbelievers, they gave themselves over to sinful desires, of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. That's what's going on in our world. Really quietly this is snuck in and we have started worshiping us. Created things. I'm not talking about statues we built. We've, we've went on from that anyway here in America. But we worship ourselves. We worship mankind. We think mankind, given the right situation, will just be good. And for those of us that are Christians, we know that just isn't true. Left up to myself, I can get really, 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 really bad. It says God gave them over to. Notice this. God at a time, and Roger said this a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Time has went by fairly quickly. He says there's a time where God's patience will run out. And in these Psalms, it's going to talk about that. There's a time, and he says, I don't know when the time is. I know it isn't today. I know that it isn't right now. If you're not a believer, a young person, if you're not a believer... You need to know it's never too late right now. Come to God through Christ and say, yeah, it's real, it's it's simple, but yet it's 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 almost it's really impossible on our own strength. But we need to come before God and say, God, God creator, I, I'm a I'm a sinner. I need rescued and I need saved from that sin. I need rescued from what sins in point brings me which is hell lord i need i need rescued from all that lord he goes on he says in romans furthermore since they did not think it worthy to retain the knowledge of god he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. 
they are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they knew or they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also, here's where we're at today, approve of those who practice them. That's where we're at, and the world system today is trying to tell us we need to approve, not only be tolerant of, friends, we should be tolerant of the unbelieving world, because we were once there. But we can never approve of the sins that destroy us and is destroying the world we live in. But that's what's being told to us. If I, if I were to say some things publicly, and I know people can go and listen to these messages, and probably I don't know how many do, but if the unbelieving world, let's say, let's say some, you know, I ain't going to mention names because that will really get me in trouble. Uh, let's say some people that we know are unbelievers, they, they listen to this and they, it would make them mad. Be like, how dare that little puny guy tell me that I'm a sinner. I, and I'm going to say this to the camera, anybody that's listening. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I cannot, these Ten Commandments and what I just told you, I think most of these things I've done, I, I, at time in my life I've hated God and, and I've, Hated the things, I, 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 I'm sure at times I, I didn't like my parents, I, I was ruthless, goodness grief, gossip. He puts gossip in there with the rest of these things, yeah, it's, it's bad. I, I mean, strife, deceit, malice, uh, slanders, oh goodness grief have I not slandered people. Even my brothers and sisters in Christ, shame on me for being that away because... They hurt my feelings or whatever. Going back to Psalms, let's read and we'll close with this. I knew I was going to spend most of my time on these first two things. Um, now, the world isn't talking no more. In these next few verses, in 4 through 6, we're going to see something. Trying to think of the right word. I was going to say something really neat. Well, that goes back a few years, doesn't it? Uh, something awesome. Let's put it that way. God the Father's message. Here's God the Father's message to the world and the world system. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and, ter anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. God the Father speaking here, and He says, let me tell you something. I sent my only begotten Son. He was born in a manger. He couldn't have been any more humble, but yet you hated Him, you rejected Him, you even crucified Him. And if you want to see how much I love you, look at what I did for you. But then He says, you know what? You that shake your fist at me, and you that hate me, there will be a time, and it's coming soon, when the one that's on the throne, God the Father says, my anointed one, Christ will take care of all this. 
And Christ talking in verse 7 says, and if you know anything about theology, the one that always says the decrees in the Bible is Jesus. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. Jesus is talking here. He said to me, who's that? God the Father. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will give you the nations, your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. Now, can I stop there? You remember when the devil took Jesus out? Jesus was out in the desert. He hadn't eaten in a long time. And he says, because you have to understand the ruler of this world, God's given Satan the permission to rule the world systems. And, and Satan says to Jesus, I'll give you all this. And Jesus says, no. He says, I know what I'm going to have to. Now, I'm paraphrasing this, folks. But Jesus says, no, I know what I'm going to have to go through. But I already have that. I'm already going to get all of this, buddy. You don't understand, and he does actually understand. One day he'll be thrown in the pit. And he will be no more. Anyway, around us. So he proclaims this, and and God the Father says, I'm giving you the earth is your possession. And, and this is talking about the second coming. In verse 9, you will rule with them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Oh, goodness grief. Go to the book of Revelation. Now, I love the book of Revelation. I don't get into a lot of things of tomorrow, God, Christ is coming. All I know is he's coming back physically to this earth. And when he does, this is exactly what he's going to do. All rebellion, he's going to, and listen, this, I'm not going to apologize for God's word. He will crush the rebellion against him. I don't know about you, but that's just like uh, Audie Murphy said, I kneel before no one except God. I am so thankful today. I don't have, well, I do have a problem kneeling because I have bad knees, but well, I'm not even going to do it. I used to get down and kneel, but I'm afraid I won't be able to get back up. But when uh, I... I I don't have a problem, Lord, kneeling before you today at all. But the world does, this world system. But one day they will all, all creation will bow down to him. In verse 10, now this is talking, here the Holy Spirit's talking. Have all three persons in this one small song. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Let me stop there. You do understand the beginning of wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. We need to have in our world, our Christian worldview, a proper fear of God. We talk about his love and, oh, that's what drew me to God. But I don't think there's anything wrong with. I remember in this very church, my wife telling me they, they showed a bunch of uh, shows kind of like Left Behind. They were the old ones. If you watch them now, you'd all laugh at them because, you know, the, the film is really poor and all that. But I, I remember Brenda telling me that really got to me. The second coming. 
Now, th this, these are, are actually the pre-rapture thing, and friends, that, that's not an essential. The essential is Christ is coming again to set up his kingdom here on earth. And it got to my wife, and, and that fear, I, I think, is what kind of led her to the Lord, some of it. It's okay to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Friends, I still have a healthy fear of my father. He may be 80-something. I can't remember. Somebody asked me today. Sorry, Dad. I, just, I, I can't hardly remember how old I am. But it's, a, it's good to have a healthy... My, my, I know my dad loves me, but when I was growing up, I still feared him. Goodness grief, back then, if I did something down the street and a neighbor didn't like it, they'd call my dad and, oh, Jiminy, I just dreaded walking home. We lived over on Lexington, and I remember those... Shame walks. It was like, oh my gosh, I got in trouble here. I know my dad already knows about it. Now I'm going to get in trouble here. And I did. And you have to remember, our God loves us more than any parent ever will. He's more patient, but yet it's good to have a holy fear of Him. He says here, and I'm going to end it, he says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, this is the last one. It's up there. Here's the promise I love of our God. Through grace, if you don't agree with some of the stuff I said, I understand it. In today's world, you can get a misinterpretation of maybe what I'm trying to say here. But you have to agree with this. The Holy Spirit start, stops with this. Kiss the Son. Talking about Jesus. I had an Old Testament professor that told me that meant, hold on, I wrote it down. Dr. George Gill that said, kiss the Son in the Old Testament means believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Quoting from Acts. Kiss the Son. That's my plea to you today. If you haven't already, do that. Kiss the Son. Kiss Him with your heart. Open your heart to His truth. Let Him love you. He wants to love you. So many young people don't understand how, how much God wants to love them, but they continue to say, no, no, God, you're going to, you're going to put these chains on me and I'm not going to be able to do what I want. And God says, no, come to me, love me. Verse 12 also ends with, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. And it will one day. But blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Dear Heavenly Father, no matter what our past, I know I spoke of some commandments that all of us know we've broken. Some of them. Some of us, we lived half our life hating you. Maybe someone watching this hate you. They don't know they do, but they do. They're angry. Lord, 
I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that they might come to know that you want to bless them, that you want to save them. You don't want to put this, these chains on them. You want, to, you want to set us free. Lord, help us to take refuge in you every single minute of every day. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name.